Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. To celebrate what would have been Darwin's 205th birthday, I had the privilege to visit Cambridge University's Museum of Zoology. The museum is currently undergoing an £18 million redevelopment project, and the whole collection has to go safely into storage. I was lucky enough to have the collection manager, Matt Lowe, show me some of his favourite pieces before they get packed away. What we have on the table in front of us is a collection of some of our finest specimens from the four million strong collection we have here in the Museum of Zoology. So I'll just highlight a couple of the specimens. The two birds that are just in front of you just there, these are Newton's parakeets from the island of Rodriguez. They became extinct in 1875. You may not have heard of them, simply because these are the only two specimens anywhere in the world. The only evidence that this species exists is sitting on the table right in front of you, unfortunately. Um, We also have next to them some passenger pigeons. It's the 100th anniversary of the the passenger pigeon becoming extinct this year. They died out in 1914. And the passenger pigeon, quite a sorry tale, in that it used to be the world's most common species of vertebrates, so you'd think it would be pretty safe. But what we didn't understand about the passenger pigeon is it would only breed when its flocks were in huge numbers. So when you shot one here, shot one there, eventually the population would reach a critically low mass that they would just stop breeding. And that's exactly what happened with the passenger pigeon. Its population just crashed overnight. So it's not just about birds. We have rare uh, mollusks from Hawaii, for example. We have Hawaiian tree snails. We have collections here which cannot be replaced if they were ever broken or went missing. Of the 900 or so species that existed... 200 remain today, so we have to take care of these things. Charles Darwin himself studied at Cambridge University, so Matt was pleased to show me some of their Darwin collection. We have a fantastic collection of Darwin material here at the University Museum of Zoology. We have um, beetles he collected whilst he was a student at Cambridge University. We have specimens he collected whilst on the Beagle Voyage, including the obligatory finches. We have fish that were collected on the Beagle Voyage, the vast majority of his fish collections. Over in the cabinet just over there, we have the barnacle slides that he spent many years working on after the Beagle Voyage. And just to, to top it all off, we have a first edition copy of Origin of the Species just sitting there in our library. Packing away a four million strong museum collection sounds like a lot of work. I spoke to the project manager, Kay Smith, to find out what the redevelopment will entail. The museum's going to be closed for almost three years, which to a lot of people sounds a really long time. You don't want to be shut for a museum that long. But our problem is we're part of a huge building, and it's going to take two years just to refurbish the building. And then at the end of that two years, of course, we only get back a shell. And then we've got about six months to put in the new interpretation, the new displays. And what we hope to do is our plan is to reopen in 2016. With the museum closed for nearly three years, Ros Wade, the education officer, described what they hope to bring into the new museum. During the redevelopment, we're going to have lots more new facilities that we can use with school groups and other groups of people, families, really welcoming in a broader audience to the museum. Within the museum galleries, we're going to reinterpret our displays so that they're accessible to a really broad audience. We've got fantastic collections, and we're not highlighting the amazing stories behind them at the moment. So really showing the history of the collections, why they're relevant, 
linking into the conservation stories behind them as well. But this project is more than just a polish-up of the museum. The redevelopment will bring together a collaborative group of researchers, as the director of the museum, Paul Brakefield, explained. There was an opportunity to explore whether we could create a new museum for the next century. Part of this vision is that two-thirds of the building that we don't occupy is going to be occupied now by the Cambridge Conservation Initiative. And that is an absolutely, I think, exciting initiative for Cambridge University because it will involve research scientists from across the whole university and it will also involve nine non-government organisations, including the RSPB, BirdLife International, IUCN, Tropical Biology Association. So under one roof we will have the whole range from collections of biodiversity all the way through to practitioners of conservation science who are about preserving biodiversity for future generations. And we can use our collections to explain to the people coming into the building what the whole building is about, as well as why our collections themselves are so uh, valuable. As many of you may have experienced, packing up can be a big job, which gets bigger when finding things you forgot you had. Packing a museum is much the same, and Matt showed me some of their new finds. So just in front of you here, there are some Tasmanian tiger skins and skulls. This is a a marsupial carnivore that resembled a wolf but became extinct in 1936. And um, just at the back of one of the storerooms, I found a box. And what we have, this rather... It looks like a scrunched-up Coca-Cola bottle, but what it actually is is the remains of a dried stomach from a Tasmanian tiger. And as far as we're aware, it's the only... It's a bizarre thing to say, but it's the only dried stomach from a Tasmanian tiger anywhere in the world. We found that only last year as part of this programme of packing up the museum's collections. And one of my favourite things we found just last year is this rough-toothed dolphin skull from the North Atlantic. Now, we knew we had it. Uh, We've had it for at least 140 years, but at no point did anybody notice the scratch marks on the back of the skull. And that scratch mark turned out, once we had it cleaned, to be a whaling ship that had been scrimshawed onto the back of the dolphin skull. And not only that, but when we further investigated, we found a scrimshawed person in one of the lower jaws, which is really nice. Hopefully that's the person who scrimshawed. So I've left them to complete the packing job with the help of their much-appreciated volunteers. We'll get to see the collection in the new displays in 2016. Maybe there'll even be one or two more surprise pieces they haven't found yet. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.